you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would please open your Bibles to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. This is God's Word. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, if you have struck hands and pledged for another, if you've been trapped by what you've said, ensnared by the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, to free yourself, since you've fallen into your neighbor's hands. Go and humble yourself. Press your plea with your neighbor. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. A scoundrel and villain who goes about with a corrupt mouth, who winks with his eye, signals with his feet, and motions with his fingers, who plots evil with deceit in his heart. He always stirs up dissension. Therefore, disaster will overtake him in an instant. He will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Now, in verse 20 and following, you have a lengthy warning against adultery. But our focus is going to be in the first half of the chapter. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. The book of Proverbs is filled with wisdom. And God speaks through the writer, Solomon, to us as well as to his sons. Now, when we look at his words about adultery, for instance, they're all aimed at young men. Protect yourself. Don't fall into the trap of sexual immorality. That is not because it doesn't matter about young women. It's because his audience was his sons. It's a father giving wisdom to his sons. But the principles apply to all of us. 
And so that is true also in the first part of this chapter. And we're going to zero in on the latter part of the first part that we read. In the opening, he warns against debt. If you have agreed to co-sign for somebody, somebody wanted to spend money they didn't have, and so they asked you if you would be willing to uh, co-sign. You're going to take on responsibility along with them for that debt. And you said, well, sure, because you love that person. They pressured you. They persuaded you. You got talked into it. If you don't have the money, you should never take on responsibility for a payment. Don't do it. Well, I think he'll pay it off. He said he's, he's good for it. He's going to make it. Well, then let him do it. Okay? You're not a bank. Don't loan something by promising yourself as the one who's going to pay it off. Well, what should I do? Well, I mean, there are several options. You could loan someone money instead of co-signing for them. Well, I don't have that much. Well, then what are you doing thinking about co-signing? If you don't have the money to pay that, why would you say, yeah, if he doesn't pay it, I will? Because guess what? There's a real chance he won't. And then it's your debt. Well, I was just trying to help him out. You can't give what you don't have. It's a very important principle in life. You can't give what you don't have. So if somebody else is trying to borrow money, it's because they don't have the money that's needed for that thing. And if you don't have the money either, then you're not the right person to solve this problem. Is that clear? But people get talked into doing this all the time. All the time. Because they're just trying to help. He says, if you have put up security for your neighbor, if you have struck hands in pledge for another, you co-sign, you agreed to be responsible for their debt, you've been trapped. You're in a trap. You've been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. You should never have agreed to do that. Well, what can I do now? Then do this, my son, to free yourself. Since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, you are now depending on that person to pay that debt. Go and humble yourself and press your plea with your neighbor. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. He's saying you don't realize what a problem you've got. Avoid debt. Avoid debt. If you can't afford it, it's not for you right now. That's just, well, I really want it. It's such a good deal. Uh, It's not for you. Not for you. Avoid debt. And then, avoid sloth. The next section of verses 
warns about a problem that is extremely widespread among humans. Okay? Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Wouldn't it be sad if a bug is smarter than you are? Wouldn't that be sad? I mean, you know, kind of a, kind of a rebuke there. But he's saying, the way you're behaving is stupid. Go to the ant. Consider its ways and gain some wisdom. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. You know what I notice about ants? If they're lying on their back like this, it's because they're either dead or dying. Right? When you see a live ant, what is it doing? It's just chilling, you know, just standing there. No, it's not. If you see a live ant, it is moving. It is on the move. It is doing something. And it's not sightseeing. Okay? It's on a mission. It's got a task. It's doing something. Ants are hard workers. Don't be less wise than a bug. Get to work. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. It's not doing that because somebody's standing there making sure it does it. It does it because that's what it's designed to do. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. That's the other thing. The ants aren't just sitting there just munching out on something. They do eat, but they spend their energy gathering food and storing it for when there isn't any to be found. Okay? Every boy and girl ought to at least see an ant farm. If you look at an ant farm, if you, some of you know what I'm talking about. Basically, you've got glass against the dirt that enables you to see what the ants do and how they tunnel and how they store and how they multiply. It's amazing. And do you know who designed them to do that? Our creator. Well, what do you think he designed you to do? You have a purpose. You have a task. You have a mission. So I, I'm, I'm just in elementary school. I don't think I have a mission yet. You're in training. So what you need to do is take your responsibilities seriously and work hard at them. Like what? I didn't know I had responsibilities. I thought I was a child. Are you taking any school courses? Do you have any assignments? Are you supposed to read certain? Well, that's too much like work. Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> okay? We're supposed to work. You don't know what a gift it is to be able to work. You don't know what a blessing it is that God has made you so that you can do stuff and actually get stronger. Get stronger. First Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
This is a good word for the staff at Wears Valley Ranch. As we serve children from very difficult situations, we trust in the Lord to supply our needs, especially the essentials. That's where our ranch hands step in. Ranch hands are our monthly donors, and we would be sunk without them. We thank God for those who are helping with the necessities with monthly gifts, regardless of the amount. You can become a ranch hand at wvr.org. Look for the donate button to learn more about how you can help. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And is holding out his hand So, sloth is a bad thing. And it doesn't just make you look dumber than a bug. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. In other words, that's what the person is saying. I just, I just, want, a, I just want a little, little rest. And poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. Wow. He's saying the consequences of not storing up food while you have the opportunity is that when you need it, you won't have it. So now, make the investment. Now, do your work. Make your bed in the morning. Okay? Do your laundry on your laundry day. Do your chores around the house. So why should I have to do that? Because it not only blesses others, it's good for you and it prepares you for life. Now, a scoundrel and a villain, beginning in verse 12. A scoundrel and a villain who goes about with a corrupt mouth, who winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, motions with his fingers, and who plots evil with deceit in his heart. He always stirs up dissension. This is a warning against deceit. People who are... Why, why does it talk about... The, what, what is this? Winks with his eye. Does that mean it's a sin to wink? No, it means this person is sending signals that they have an intended audience. They want this person to know, but they don't want anybody else to know. Signals with his feet. Motions with his fingers. What's he doing? He's putting on a show for these folks that he's this way, and this person he's sending secret messages to. That kind of behavior results in dissension. It causes problems in relationships. Well, what's the outcome of that? Therefore, disaster will overtake him in an instant. He will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. That's a pretty potent warning. You may think you're getting away with it. You may think nobody knows. You may think nobody sees. But guess who does? God. God knows what's going on. And God makes a promise. And his promise is, if you don't repent, you're going to be destroyed. Well, so far I think I'm doing okay. Yeah, that's why it says, in an instant... Disaster will overtake him. 
I think I'm doing pretty good. Boom. Story over. That's what God says. Pastor Wood, I think you're kind of being negative. I'm just telling you, it's a warning. Don't be this clever, deceitful person. Final section that we're focused on this morning. A list of six things that the Lord hates. Let's make that seven. That's what it says. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. I told my wife I thought I might title this message, What God Hates. Okay? Um, I mentioned that we're about to go on a trip, and we're going to be staying with a number of friends along the way. And uh, one of them was talking to me on the phone and wanted to know, is there anything you're allergic to? That's a very thoughtful question, because some people are allergic to things. You want to know what God's allergic to? You want to know what makes God feel sick? What really makes God angry? Here's a list. Seven things that are detestable to God. Haughty eyes. What does that mean? People who are arrogant. Prideful, looking down on others. A lying tongue. Well, I think we know what that is. Hands that shed innocent blood. Violence against the innocent. God hates that. There are times in Scripture when God calls for violence. But those who use violence to exploit others, to punish the not guilty, in order to get what they want, Hands that shed innocent blood, detestable to God. A heart that devises wicked schemes. You remember verse 14 above? The scoundrel and villain who plots evil with deceit in his heart. If you're sitting around thinking about the stuff that you would like to do and get away with, boy, you know, I don't know, I I want to be careful, I don't want to get caught, but man, wouldn't it be cool if... And what you're thinking it would be cool if is something sinful. Sexual immorality. Theft. If you're plotting evil and you think, well, you know, I haven't done anything wrong because I didn't do it. You did it in your heart. And God hates that. It's detestable to him. Well, what do I do if thoughts like that come? Put them to death. Say absolutely no way. I don't want to do that. The devil's going to try and suggest to your mind, I want to da-da-da-da-da. And you've got to realize, no, I don't. I do not want to do that which displeases God. A heart that devises wicked schemes is detestable to him. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. What do you do when you see people doing bad stuff? Do you join in? That's detestable to God. Don't join in. If you see an opportunity, hey, I think I can do it. You know, the the store is being looted, and and there are no cops around. And I mean, they're just going to take all that stuff out, and I'm sure it's insured, and so, you know, what's the problem? The problem is God sees, and it's called stealing, and it's sin. Well, these people exploit. It's not yours. If it's not yours, but you decide to take it, that's called stealing. 
and something God says he hates. A false witness who pours out lies. I thought it already said lying tongue up in verse 17. It does. Huh, so lying is in the list twice. Did you notice that? Lying makes, you know, here, I'm going to give you a list of six things. No, make that seven that God really hates. And twice in the same list, lying. Hmm, more about that in a moment. And a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Well, that's, that was the same thing as verse 14, wasn't it? So stirring up dissension, enjoying causing problems between other people, okay? Saying things and doing things to create division. That's something that God hates. But in this list, even though stirring up dissension was previously mentioned before he did the list of seven things God hates, the one thing in the list of seven things God hates that is mentioned twice is lying. I was a preschooler playing with my new model train on the floor near the Christmas tree on Christmas morning. My brother had gotten an electric train. I had gotten a wind-up train. And I'm playing with mine, and even though I thought his was better because it was, I was pleased that I had mine, and I knew I couldn't play with his because that was his, and I could play with mine. And I liked mine, and I was playing with mine. And my father was sitting nearby on the, we would say, sofa. Back then in the Midwest, it was called a Davenport. My father was sitting on the Davenport, and he was reading his Bible, and suddenly the voice of God spoke to me through my father, whose voice was deeper than I can make mine in trying to imitate him. He had a thunderous, beautiful voice. And he said, Jimmy, I looked up, and he said, don't ever lie. And if you ever find that you have lied, you need to come and tell me immediately. Do you understand? Yes, sir. That's been a long time since I was four or five years old. But I still remember that. You know why? Because it was the voice of God. My dad, reading the scriptures, was seeing again how God hates lying. It's the only thing in the list of what God hates that makes the list twice. At the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, at the end of the book of Revelation, there are two lists given of those who won't be in heaven but will be thrown into the lake of fire. And it's, it's quite a list. It's things like the cowardly, the immoral, people who are involved in the occult, and liars. You didn't mention murder. Yeah, that's on the list too. So, lying gets lumped in with that stuff. It doesn't just get lumped in. Both times, it is the only thing on the list that gets special emphasis. Really? Yeah. Why do you suppose that is? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that the Bible says 
Satan is the father of lies. Jesus said when he lies, he's speaking his native language. Because he's always been a liar. You and I need to understand that we are living on a battlefield. The warfare is real, and our enemy is the father of lies. And when you lie, you're lining up with him. Do not lie. You seem pretty serious about this. You know why I'm serious about this? Because God is serious about this. Tell the truth. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.